Hello, Rebels. You're listening to a free audio-only recording of my show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are Sheila Gunn-Reed and Andrew Chapados. Now, if you like listening to this podcast, then you would love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-format TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to watching my weekly show as well as other great TV-style shows, too. It's only $8 a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for podcast listeners, you can also save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Those reviews are a great way to support Rebel News without spending a dime. And now, enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. So, who's the biggest swag hound in the Trudeau clan? Is it Prime Minister Justin? Is it Mama Margaret? Well, actually, it turns out that wife Sophie might just have the most insatiable appetite for speaking fees and gifts. Sheila Gunn-Reed shall have all the details. Trigger alert, trigger alert. Disney is now slapping trigger advisories on some of its classic animated fare from yesterday. Apparently, everything from Peter Pan to Lady and the Tramp is somehow racist. Andrew Chapados will weigh in on this latest virtue signaling from the House of the Mouse. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding last Saturday's huge Yahoo Nation lockdown protest at Toronto's Young Dundas Square. Hey, Premier Ford, listen to the people. Put down that cherry cheesecake already and open up the, the economy, will you? Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. Now, Trudeau's family has been waist, maybe neck deep in the We Charity scandal from the very beginning. With the government choosing the Liberal Link charity as the only one in the entire country, so the Liberals did their best to tell us, with the capacity to deliver the proposed nearly $1 billion pay-for-volunteerism student bailout program. The government wanted Canadians to believe that the charity that has paid the Trudeau family hundreds of thousands of dollars in speaking engagement fees for We Day events and that Trudeau's wife, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, hosted a podcast for and that has paid former Finance Minister Bill Morneau's luxury volunteerism vacation costs, oh, and employed one of Morneau's kids, was the only one with the ability to deliver the program in the entire country. 
that the organization was paid at least $30 million in advance to do. I mean, it's pretty clear. The whole thing was just a bailout to Trudeau's friends, the Kielberger brothers, who, when you think about it, had been bailing out the Trudeau family for years with speaking engagement fees. And we know this because once the scandal broke of paying Trudeau's friends to run a program designed just for them caused the cancellation of the student bailout program, the WE organization just shut down its Canadian operations, citing money problems as one of the main reasons for the closure. Now, in a newly released list of payments and disclosures, we now know the full amount of payments the WE organization made to Sophie Gregoire Trudeau in speaking fees and reimbursed expenses. Just look at this. Between February 2012 and March 2020, Sophie Trudeau attended a total of eight WE Day events. She received a one-time speaking fee of $1,500 in 2012. The total amount of expenses in hospitality costs, including hotels, car service, and flights, covered for Sophie Trudeau over the eight events she attended was $23,940.76. An additional $240 in gifts was provided to Sophie Trudeau during this time. Translation, never has so much money been paid for so little talent. But when it comes to the salivating swag hound that is Sophie Trudeau, this is a woman who has an absolutely insatiable appetite for free stuff even if that free stuff is coming from the coffers of a charity meant to help kids in impoverished third world nations. How shameful can you possibly get? And joining me now with more on this despicable tale of greed, gluttony, and self-glorification is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It is always, always a pleasure. Sheila, let's just cut to the chase here. Sophie Trudeau is a privileged, wealthy woman, so why can't she keep her snout out of the charity trough? You know, she is the perfect wife for Justin Trudeau, so it's um, sort of strange that uh, they seem to be estranged most of the time uh, because she is really just as entitled as he is. The, uh, I mean, he loves to indulge himself on the taxpayer's dime. We've seen that um, when we pull access to information on what goes on on those uh, taxpayer-funded Challenger jets. We've taken a look at the menu and we've taken a look at um, the liquor bills for uh, the ta the Challenger jets. I mean, Justin Trudeau has his special expensive vodka that he insists on the taxpayer uh, keeping in the jets. And Really, you know, when you look at it, she's just as bad. Her job basically is to have no job and just do charity work. That's her job, really. And, you know, she insists that we pay for extra nannies because she's so busy giving selflessly of her time to do all this charity work. And yet she's just milking these charities for luxury vacations. And then when she gets to the location, she donates, I guess, 15 minutes of her time to give a speech that I guarantee you kids don't care about at these We Day events. 
No, that, that's the thing too, though. It's not as though you're getting some world-renowned author or anything like that. She's just famous for having a famous surname. And you know, the Sophie Trudeau story I most remember, Sheila, we talked about it, it was from a couple of years ago, of course. Remember the famous family vacation to the Aga Khan's resort? And then she followed that up, if memory serves me, where she, I, I guess there was an open invitation to come back. And the Aga Khan and uh, uh, his family, they weren't going to be there. And basically she said, oh, that's okay. Me and my girlfriends will just fly in for a weekend. Yeah. Like, what chutzpah is that? Well, yeah, that's the thing. She's really the grifter in this family. She's the one just milking that last <laughs> name for everything that it's worth. The, she was the one who arranged the Christmas vacation at the Aga Khan's island when the Aga Khan and his family wouldn't be there because uh, she just wanted a, a private luxury vacation. And she was using her connections that she's got by having that famous last name and that uh, famous husband. Um, that's how she got that. She was the one making the connections. It wasn't even Justin Trudeau. She's the grifter there and she's the one with her handout all the time to get all this free stuff. Yeah, and it's also Mama Trudeau too, uh, Sheila. Uh -huh. I mean, you know, she's getting these speaking uh, gigs as well. And uh, I mean, you you alluded to the fact that you can't Im imagine the youth being that into Sophie Trudeau. <laughs> well, can you imagine how not into Margaret Trudeau they are? I mean, when was she last relevant in the days of disco going to Club 54 in New York City? I mean, uh, and yet it, it's like nepotism rules the roost there, doesn't it? Well, just look at Margaret Trudeau. She's been Margaret Sinclair, <laughs> Trudeau, Sinclair, Kemper, and then back to Trudeau because that's where the money is. Like that's a lot of last names there. I have two, um, but she's got, I mean, she's got three times more than me because the money's in the last name and nobody pays to hear uh, Margaret Kemper talk. Nobody pays to hear Margaret Sinclair talk. Um, no, I think nobody would probably hear or pay to hear Margaret Trudeau talk about her life experience, especially kids, except for the fact that it garners them favor with the prime minister and the prime minister is the guy dishing out all the money right now. Indeed. And you know, Sheila, I can hear the cynics out there saying, oh, why are you obsessed with 24,000 bucks in expenses, a $250 worth of gifts for Sophie Trudeau. Uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, when we're talking about budgets in the billions, even approaching a trillion dollars in uh, yep. debt and deficit, uh, what's the big deal? Here's what I think is the big deal. This is the stuff we know about the WE Charity. Yep. And as we all know from uh, recent days, there was almost an election triggered over this about a committee going in to investigate uh, really who is on the take, I think, with this charity. Now, it might be as clean as the driven snow, Sheila, but the more the Trudeau Liberals try to hide and shut down committees and investigations, the more I think, and why wouldn't you, that there's a lot of rotten stuff there and this is just an example. This indeed might be just chump change. There must be some, I think, really awful six, seven, eight figure uh, payouts from that charity that really didn't go anywhere near a third world nation to help children. 
Well, we know that Justin Trudeau used to charge charities speaking fees. Yes. Um, when he was an MP. Here's the thing with the, I mean, $24,000, it, it isn't a huge amount, like you say, in the grand scheme of things, all things considered and all things being relative. But this is money meant for a charity. And instead it went to Justin Trudeau's pampered and privileged, very rich wife um, to fly first class so that she can speak for 15 minutes and say something nobody wants to hear. Um, it's just a make work project so that she can get, you know, a first class trip to London or wherever she went. There are kids who are fundraising or were at the time we now closed their Canadian operations since the uh, gravy train with biscuit wheels pulled out of the station. Um, but there were kids fundraising for we, the Kielbergers organization, selling bracelets, doing extra volunteer work, whatever, to get money to we because they thought it was going to help impoverished kids on the other side of the world. And in this instance, it went to Justin Trudeau's very rich, pampered wife. You know, great point, Sheila, and it just shows you how odious this whole story is. And, and, and as I've always said, too, in the big, big picture, what this We Charity scandal has done, I think, has caused um, an air of suspicion unfairly about all charities. Yeah. There are so many charities out there, and you really should do your homework, folks, in terms of finding out how much of your dollar goes to administration costs and how much actually goes to the charitable cause. But there are good charities out there. But I think the average Canadian, after hearing about we, Sheila, is saying, uh, you know, Charity XYZ has, uh, is asking me for a $50 donation. Do I know if my money is going to help people in need, or is it to, uh, had uh, a luxury vacation uh, bill, uh, you know, when, when my check or, or visa number gets to them. What are your thoughts on that, Sheila? Well, it's very interesting how Justin Trudeau spent the first part of his prime ministership demonizing Christian charities. So Christian charities yes. usually have a low overhead, um, low labor costs because they rely mainly on volunteer work. The people who um, work for these organizations are they feel they feel called by their religion to do this sort of work and give of themselves to these sorts of organizations justin trudeau made sure that they couldn't qualify for the canada summer jobs grant because they wouldn't sign an attestation to the liberal values around abortion and gender theory these organizations chose not to violate their conscience because for them it, it's it's uh, a matter of the their their soul, really. And yet, Justin Trudeau goes now and crafts a nearly $1 billion program so that his friend's charity yep. can administer it. Um, so if there are stigmatizations about charities, well, it started with Justin Trudeau. It happened a long time ago. He did it to Christian charities. And now he's basically tainted the entire charitable industry here in Canada. And there are a lot of charities doing good work that don't have anything to do with the Trudeaus. You know, Sheila, thank you so much for reminding me about that. I almost forgot. And it just, what you just said, it just show, it's just another example, isn't it, my friend, of how upside down everything is in 2020. I can't wait for this year to end, although I don't think 2021 is looking that much better no. in terms of the long-range scanners. Eh? You know, I hope uh, President Trump wins 
um, in a few weeks because that will be the bright spot in 2020 that we need and it will offer a, a ray of hope for 2021, that's for sure. Absolutely. I don't even want to contemplate <laughs> the other fellow with me. <laughs> Sheila, thank you so much for weighing in on this and uh, uh, you have a wonderful weekend, my friend. Thank you, David. You too. You got it. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed up in Northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Whether it's girls screaming after Trump is sworn in, or the character affectionately known as Trigglypuff, we've all seen our share of triggering over the last few years, and it seems as though Disney has reached their limit. Starting immediately, Disney Plus subscribers will see racial trigger warnings on plenty of their content on the menu screens. Nothing is safe, not Peter Pan, not Jungle Book, even the cats are racist now. As part of our ongoing commitment to diversity and inclusion, we are in the process of reviewing our library and adding advisories to content that include negative depictions or mistreatment of people or cultures. Now, some of these warnings actually make sense, and some of them are very silly, as you can imagine. Here's the generic warning across most of the movies on their preview screen. This program includes negative depictions or mistreatment of people or cultures. These stereotypes were wrong then, and they are wrong now. Rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversations to create a more inclusive future together. It kind of sounds like they're actually saying, we used to be racist and this stuff is still racist, but instead of taking it down, we're just admitting we're racist and we hope this sparks a conversation between, I don't know, two eight-year-olds watching cartoons in their living room. Take Lady and the Tramp, for example. This apparently needs a warning because the Siamese cats perpetuate Asian stereotypes. Now, I watched this as a kid, and I don't recall thinking negatively of Siamese people afterwards. Siam hasn't even been a country for like 100 years, and the only place you're gonna come across it is on the board game Risk, and I think kids are gonna be okay on this one. We are Siamese, if you please. The same goes for Peter Pan, it allegedly portrays native people in a stereotypical manner that reflects neither the diversity of native peoples nor their authentic cultural traditions. Maybe that makes sense, but the only thing I found really offensive was Robin Williams' performance in the movie version of this. Oh, there you are, Peter. Now, of course, Aladdin is on there as well, not because of Will Smith as genie, but probably because of the whole flying carpets thing. Whoa! Who knew that flying carpets are culturally insensitive? Well, not to me. I would think that a flying carpet would be an, an aviation breakthrough for the ages. But really, why does Disney feel these disclaimers to be so necessary? Surely there is a realization out there that standards have changed over the years. And really, if these cartoons are so gasp-inducing racist, why doesn't Disney simply vault them as in forever? Let me guess, social justice is one thing, but at the end of the day, that mouse is beholden to the shareholders. And joining me now with more on Disney's trigger warning policy is Andrew Chapados. Welcome uh, to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Thanks for having me, David. You know, I'm always glad to come on and talk about cartoons with you. Well, you don't trigger me, but I'll tell you what does trigger me. Trigger warnings mm. trigger me. But Ironic. I, I have to say, though, um, given the choice, I'll take a trigger warning, as silly as it may be, over outright 
cancellation, censorship, what have you. But what do you think is really behind this, Andrew? I think it's an easy way for them to appease people who are offended by, I don't know who's going back and watching cartoons and being offended by them, what adults <laughs> are doing that, but it's an easy way for them to appease the offended bodies while still, as you mentioned, making money off of their catalog. Because children aren't going to pay attention to this when they're watching it, and they have a large catalog, obviously, of children's movies that they're going to want to watch, and they're now inappropriate. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, and you said it well in your commentary, Andrew. I mean, they are woke, but not too woke. And by that, I mean, uh, we recognize this as a racist or culturally insensitive depiction of a person or a group of people. Uh, so we want you to be aware of it. It's not too insensitive, mind you, that we're going to obliterate it from the catalog, uh, uh, ostensibly because I think there's still money be to be made off this. Well, it's interesting that they admit that basically a lot of their content was racist in their <laughs> own mind, but and so much of it that they clearly can't just delete it from the videos without taking away large portions of the of the movie itself. So they want to take away um, any responsibility they might have to have for it while still making money off of it. Here's the thing, Andrew. Are we really, and I'm talking about the general populace, are we really that sensitive, that fragile, that when we see something that's being depicted as culturally insensitive, we gasp, we fret about it? Let me give you an example. My background, it's of Scottish heritage. I can tell you, my friend, in the advertising industry in this nation, if you want to depict the quintessential cheapskate, put them in a kilt and give them a Scottish <laughs> accent. It's true, I have so many examples. That doesn't bother me, you know, and I mean, I can, I think it's a matter of, I can laugh at myself, I can laugh at my family, I can laugh at my culture. And I would argue, if you were to depict a caricature, like say um, in um, The Simpsons, Apu, the convenience store owner, the Indians I know in my circle, no one's offended by that. They get a laugh out of it. Um, so are we being, or are, are the companies like Disney being overprotective that what they think is so horrendous, it, in, the, in, in reality, it really isn't? Well, yes, and I would say at some points it's a form of reverse racism when you're saying, oh, this reminds me of natives or something, so, and this is what all natives are like, so you must be offended. I'm sure 99% of the time it's... An, people who aren't of that eth ethnicity or background that are offended on their behalf. There's been studies done multiple times about native names for sports teams, for example, the Washington yeah. Redskins, the Eskimos is one we've talked about, and then the native population overwhelmingly says we don't care. And th there's often, I know around here, if you look at places like Iroquois, these are places that are named by <laughs> the teams, a team of natives naming themselves and using these logos, and they don't have a problem with it, but um, it's these Torontonians that have a problem with it, probably. Oh, Andrew, um, far from don't care, they actually like it. I can tell you, there was a 2016 Washington Post survey, um, and I'm amazed that it saw the light of day being published, because it surely wasn't, I, I think, what the Post was hoping to prove. But they asked natives, exclusively natives, in this poll, what do you think about uh, the Washington team's nickname and logo? And I believe it was 91% approval, you know, and, and I went uh, to uh, uh, an area of Toronto where there were natives congregating at a Washington Redskins hat. The comments <laughs> I was getting, no, they said, we love it, you know, they, they it, so it's almost, I think, like 
white social justice warriors, maybe of a certain age, getting offended for others and therefore implementing trigger warnings or ultimately censorship and cancellation. At this point, I wouldn't target it just to white people. I think it's more of an age group or a class group, the mm -hmm. university class of uh, younger women and the men who want to get with them under 25 years old <laughs> in a sad, sad circle of life where the girl presents this terrible viewpoint, and in order to get their attention, the sad beta male, or soy boy, if you will, yeah. does and agrees with whatever they say. Well, you know, I, I guess we should count our blessings as merely just a trigger warning as opposed to changing content. And Andrew, that's not outrageous. I, I, I look back at the Star Wars example, you know, the original Star Wars film from 1977, it shows Han Solo shooting the bounty hunter that's after Who him. shot first? Yeah, many years later, uh, director George Lucas tweaked that scene to make the bounty hunter shoot first at Han Solo. So you see, he was acting in self-defense. I mean, to me, that's, that, that's crazy. It's bowing to political correctness. Would you like to see filmmakers uh, go back into the past and basically whitewash what was already uh, produced? No, and I struggle with this idea, and I actually had a pr conversation with producer Justin about this, of deleting anything. I, personally, I say let everything fly. Yeah. I'm not offended by any form of art, but if this own company, which is Disney, is saying that their own stuff is racist, it's kind of weird that there's not, they're not deleting it. It's kind of weird that they're allowing it to be out there and their excuses. we want to spark a conversation. Little Timmy and Jimmy in the living room are going to have a heated debate <laughs> about race and cultural appropriation, about two cats saying that they're Siamese, which I thought was very <laughs> clever of me to remark that Siam hasn't been a country for 100 years. Yeah, but you will see it on a risk board, people. There you go. Well, I, I would say this, uh, Andrew, that behind that Mickey Mouse uh, costume is Attila the Hun when it comes to making money, and they're making billions of dollars. They own the Star Wars franchise, Marvel Comics, and they're not going to start giving up content uh, regardless of who it offends, if anything. I, I can tell you, years ago, I was at um, Disneyland in California, and you talk about... David's got that money, people. <laughs> Press trip. Uh, and uh, you talk about Disneyfication uh, on Walt Disney himself. There's a picture of Walt Disney in his office circa 1950-something. And his fingers are like this. And basically, it's explained, once upon a time, there used to be a cigarette between those uh. fingers. <laughs> they actually airbrushed out. So let's just hope Disney and other content makers don't alter, don't airbrush out things, because then we get into, I think, the even bigger problem right now. Statues are being pulled down by the cancel culture mob. They're trying to erase, literally, history. Well, uh, unfortunately, that's just the motif of communism when you've got to erase the colonialists and the evil capitalist history and replace it with, I don't know, what transgendered Mickey Mouse now? We'll just combine <laughs> Minnie and Mickey and he goes fluid between both of them. Now, we're joking about all of this, but I do have to admit that the one scene in Dumbo is pretty questionable where mm. they're working on a railroad and talking about how they're going <laughs> to waste all their money as soon as they get their paycheck. I'm like, what the hell is this? But isn't it noted that Walt Disney was kind of a bad guy? Mm. Uh, well, yeah, there is that Maybe that's why there's so much of that stuff. And, <laughs> and then the sexual messaging, that was a big conspiracy uh, 10, 15 years ago where Aladdin covers and in 
Lion King and such. They had subliminal messaging. Uh, yeah, and there's something about the Little Mermaid too, and uh, you know you can get into that uh, minutia. But I, I just wonder how you know how it's going to proceed in, in the years to come. But I guess bottom line, at least the content's still out there, and we'll put up with trigger warnings. And uh, thank you so much. It was great commentary, Andrew. And I'll tell you, folks, uh, I had a, um, a viewer pass on to me a couple days ago that CHCH uh, TV in Hamilton they were playing an episode of. Green Acres, if you mm. can imagine, and it involved uh, uh, a native in that episode. And they put before the episode, word for word, the Disney trigger warning <laughs> about, you know, stereotypes and, and what have you. So uh, I guess it's already spreading, but like I said, the good news is it's not being canceled, unlike some of our statues that are being torn down or stored away forever. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. I'm more of an Omni TV guy, David. Great commercials. <laughs>
but you know wicked words for the mainstream media now he's all chummy with them what happened to Doug? What happened to Doug? I don't know. I think he ate too many of those uh, cherry cheesecakes. <laughs> too many cherry cheesecakes, Dougie. <laughs> well, to paraphrase that old Helen Reddy song, they are yahoos, hear them roar, in numbers too big to ignore. Well, okay, maybe the mainstream media is ignoring them, but is that a surprise to anyone? In any event, that anti-lockdown protest by the rank and file of Yahoo Nation last Saturday in Toronto might have been the biggest one of its kind in Ontario to date, and little wonder why, given how more and more cities and regions in Ontario are being thrown back into stage two lockdown mode. Businesses are going bankrupt. Ontarians are being thrown out of work. Hey, Premier Ford, whatever happened to those 2018 campaign slogans such as, oh, I don't know, Ontario open for business and for the people? Who could have imagined the precise opposite would come true in 2020? And without further ado, here's what you had to say about the latest uprising of Yahoo Nation. Rob Guerri writes, RIP Rob Ford, shame on Doug Ford. Rob would never let this happen. You know, you're right, sir. I think that with the passage of two years, we have all discovered, sadly, that Doug Ford is not Rob Ford. Liberals are cucks, writes, Toronto, you voted Tory and Trudeau. What do you expect? Well, true enough, but it is the province that's responsible for the stage two lockdowns. And Doug Ford was supposed to be better than those other two. But as the saying goes, look good on paper. True Christian writes, late great Rob Ford, you mean great at smoking crack in the hood? Really stupid statement for Menzies there. Um, no, true Christian, Rob Ford was a fantastic mayor and city councillor. He got so much done, yet was downright bullied by the mainstream media, perhaps bullied to an early grave. Now, was Rob Ford a flawed man? Of course he was. We all have our flaws. Even great men and great women are flawed. To think otherwise, now, that stupid. Brianna C. Reacts writes, whoa, that dog mask is impressive. Oh, and better yet, Brianna, Catherine McKennell was nowhere to be seen that day. A voice in the frequency writes, Doug Ford, a liberal in conservatives' clothes. Sad, isn't it? I mean, going back to January 2018, that was the reason crybaby Patrick Brown was ousted from the PC party in a palace coup. It was clear Brown was a conservative in name only. Ford was the savior. So what happened? Indeed, why is it that Patrick Brown actually goes to Ford's residence for dinners now? I mean, how weird, how bizarre, how creepy is that? And Ryan Zach Music writes, great to see happy, courageous, loving people getting together. I agree, Ryan. Despite the justifiable anger out there due to the lockdowns, there is always such a great vibe in the air at these Yahoo Nation protests. Wish I could say the same when it comes to leftists getting together. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.